Well, the Chargers won an ugly game over the Denver Broncos on Monday Night Football, and they owe a special thank you to their one-legged kicker, Dustin Hopkins. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, David, last week we came away saying that the Chargers, it's better to be lucky than good. Well, this week, an ugly win is as good as, an, or way better at least, than an ugly loss. But welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. We've been covering the Chargers together for six seasons now. Seen a lot of games, not many like this one. And this is our fifth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys for making us your first listen on this Monday night football game recap edition, the Chargers post game show. And to make sure you never miss the show, go subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast from. And David, make no mistake about it. The Chargers won this game with their defense and their special teams. Not something I necessarily thought I'd be saying about the, you know, one of the worst defenses in the entire national football league and a special teams unit that's been terrible for as long as we can remember. But that's exactly what happened. Dustin Hopkins on one leg comes out and kicks the game-winning 39-yard field goal after rookie Ja Taylor made the special teams play of the year. And I think we have to start there. But let's be honest, David. The Chargers defense had a dominant, dominant second half in overtime period. And it seemed like it started when the Chargers benched their star corner, J.C. Jackson. And Michael Davis came in and played well. And he deserves a lot of props in this game, too. But we do also have to talk about the Chargers offense, and I think it's just a game of who do you blame, right? Is it the banged-up offensive line? Was Justin Herbert just bad, or was it a combination of the rib injury and all the pressure he was facing? A lot to break down there that we have to get to. But today's episode is brought to you by Bird Dogs, the most comfortable shorts, pants, and sweatpants with built-in liners. Go to birddogs.com and use the promo code LOCKDOWN, and boom, a free Bird Dogs rope hat with your pair of Bird Dogs. Love my Bird Dogs. But I also love seeing the Chargers win a game with special teams, which never, ever, ever, ever happens. But Dustin Hopkins gets the game ball and absolutely deserves it in this one, David. He makes four field goals, and it was clear after the first field goal in this game that he was toast. He came into this game questionable. The Chargers did not make their backup kicker that played last week available for this game. They rolled with Dustin Hopkins. It was clear that he was hurt after the first kick. Uh, J.K. Scott ends up taking over on kickoffs, but he still finds a way, David, after a muff punt in overtime to come in and kick a game-winning 39-yard field goal. The grit of that kicker. I can't believe we're saying it. Hey, all credit to Dustin Hopkins for clearly fighting through an injury. He said after the game that he felt something pop early on in that football game, and normally that's not a very good sign. When you hear something pop, obviously yeah, uh, yeah obviously there, there's something seriously wrong there, but he gritted through it. He fought through it. Um, the Chargers definitely, you know, they took kicking kickoff duties away as they should. Yeah. They, they got a, They had to save him for the field goals. And, you know, they were n- nothing crazy. And all of those f- four field goals were under 40 yards. But that doesn't matter. You know, he gutted through it. He was clearly in pain. He was grimacing. It was all over his face. He fell to the ground pretty much after every single field goal. Yeah. But every single one of those field goals went through the uprights and scored points for the Chargers. A gutsy, big, massive performance by Dustin Hopkins, the Chargers kicker. 
A hundred percent. And like, let's be honest. Hey, there's a lot of bad stuff in this game too, but at least right now I want to focus on the good parts of this game because there's not many games you get to talk about how well the special teams and the defense played after a a game like this. And it wasn't just Dustin Hopkins, right? It was J.K. Scott who had a heck of a game punting. I mean, he had a punt in overtime where I didn't even know he could get that distance. I thought they were about (laughs) to set the Broncos up for a short field and a game-winning field goal potentially. He played great. The hang time was there as always. The coverage units all showed up in this game with a couple of return opportunities by the Broncos all pretty much snuffed out. I mean, it was a all-around solid performance by this Chargers special team unit. I mean, a team that fired their special teams coordinator after one season last year with Darius Swinton. Now it's Ryan Ficken. Things have definitely turned around for the better. I mean, to win a game like this on your special teams and not need your offense in this one, I think is going to be huge for this team going forward and the confidence that this team has in that unit. Maybe none more so than a couple of rookies that came up huge in overtime. Football IQ at a million. Galaxy brain stuff by the Chargers special teams unit when literally nobody can move the ball on either offense. Both offenses were terrible in overtime. And I had tweeted out, hey, it seems like it's going to take a takeaway for the Chargers to win this game. Well, you didn't think it was going to be on a muff punt because the one thing the Chargers haven't done all season is recover a fumble, but they had a little help this time by John Taylor, their rookie cornerback, who somehow had the wherewithal to wait until a Denver Broncos player came up and started blocking him. Then he blocked that guy into the return man who was waiting there for a fair catch. It gets muffed. Their other seventh-round rookie, Dean Leonard, comes up with the fumble recovery, the first of the season. The Chargers, the last team in the NFL to recover an, a, a fumble by their opponent in the entire season so far. And that sets up the game-winning field goal. The Chargers offense goes backwards the next two plays, and Justin Herbert does make a great play on third down to make it a shorter field goal, get it under yeah. 40 yards, which had to be the goal there. But, David, for Jasir Taylor to come in and make a play like that, a play that I think half Chargers fans probably thought was a penalty. I know I originally did, but the rule <laughs> is that guy blocks you first. You can block him, and if it's his own guy hitting him, that's not a penalty. Hey, I mean, just an absolutely brilliant move by, by the rookie corner. and, and- Crazy. At that point, you know, when you're drafted in the seventh round towards the end of the draft, the only thing that you can ask for coming into an NFL season is to make a play, to make an impact, to do something to help your team win a football game. And both of the Chargers seventh round rookies come in and make a just game changing play. Jasir Taylor with that incredible intelligence that football IQ displayed and Dean Leonard getting down there recovering the first fumble for the Chargers this season, which is disgusting to say, (laughs) but that is the facts. They get that big turnover and the special teams for once in the conceivable memory of the Chargers, the special teams unit wins a football game for the Bolts. Yeah, I don't remember. I feel like there was like a random Travis Benjamin game where he had like two punt return touchdowns against the Broncos that maybe you could, you know, argue that the special teams won the game for them. It did in this game, but it wouldn't have happened without the Chargers defensive performance. David, we'll get a little deeper into how good it was by the Chargers, specifically in the second half and also J.C. Jackson getting benched. But just overall in this game, right, the Chargers suffocate. The Broncos offense. They had a couple of big Mm -hmm. plays. Really, you can wrap up the entire Broncos offensive performance with a couple of big plays in the first half and getting set up by a Chargers interception in the second half. I mean, the Chargers defense in this game, including guys like Drew Tranquil, Derwin James, Khalil Mack, even Michael Davis all stepped up. And David, now it's not only the Chargers winning a game off their special teams, but winning a game 
with as little help as they got from their offense with defense and special teams defensive specifically right now. I mean, that's huge. It's massive. It's 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 really almost unquantifiable to to see what the Chargers defense did in this game after being one of the worst units in the league. I mean, being yeah. bad against the run, being bad against the pass, there really wasn't very many things that the Chargers defense could hang their hat on and say, hey, I do this well in this football game. They matched the energy of the Denver Broncos defense, who has been one of the best units in the league. In this game, the Chargers did not allow 100 yards rushing, and they did not allow 200 yards passing to Russell Wilson. They dominated on both sides of the defense. The Broncos, after the breakdown and coverage touchdown, did absolutely nothing, and that was in large part to the Chargers defense swarming around, tackling well, getting pressure on Russell Wilson, and just and just completely erasing all of the offensive momentum that the Broncos were able to muster in that first quarter. Yeah, and the Broncos' offense had been really bad, right? But it still felt like they were going to get right against this specific Chargers defense, giving up 27 points per game. So and it still, started out that way, too. 100%. But, like, let's not get it twisted either. Like, that second half in overtime is maybe the best half in overtime I've seen by the Chargers defense and I don't know how long. I am one of the best performances no in the question. second half that I've ever seen. And I'll give you a little bit of a little a nugget of how good it was. The Broncos <laughs> had negative 9 passing yards, net passing yards in the second half and overtime. That it <laughs> sounds like a made up stat. It's not. That's how bad Russell Wilson and the Charger or the Broncos passing attack was. But we'll get a little bit deeper into what happened for the Chargers defense. In the second half, and a couple of standout players like Drew Tranquil coming up absolutely huge in the second half, and the Chargers potentially turning things around when they sat their $16.5 million per year cornerback, J.C. Jackson, in favor of Michael Davis. So we're going to get into that, but I also have to tell you guys about another little nugget that's for free here, and that is check out Bird Dogs, which are my favorite shorts, and now they have sweatpants. Bird Dogs is changing the game. I've already had Bird Dogs shorts already, and I love them. They have a built-in liner that really... Just makes things great. I mean, it's always nice when you can go commando, right, David? And, I mean, you don't have to worry about not having underwear because the lining is already built in. But now we're talking sweatpants, which is changing the game. They're super comfortable. Think about that little cute Charmin bear, that little bear family. That's what it feels like on your thighs when you're talking about bird dogs sweatpants. I mean, I absolutely love them, especially for golf. Wearing sweatpants that are bird dogs that don't necessarily look like sweatpants on the golf range. That's the best. On the golf course, I love them. I mean, it, the only bad thing is you can't blame your pants anymore for your bad golf play, which is something I love to do. But you might not play like Tiger Woods on a bender, but you'll feel just as good. My life, my life loves Lululemon. That's one of the things. I mean, her guilty pleasure, that's super, super expensive. And one thing I can guarantee you, bird dogs are more comfortable and they're $20 less. Don't ask me how I know they're more comfortable than my wife's Lululemons. That's not the point here at all. Just know that bird dogs feel way better and are unlike any sweatpants that I've ever had. And right now, we have a promo for you guys. If you go to birddogs.com, you can enter the promo code LOCKDOWN, and they'll throw in a free bird dogs rope hat. That's for free at birddogs.com. Promo code LOCKDOWN, and boom. A free bird dogs rope hat with your pair of bird dogs. The most comfortable shorts, pants, and sweatpants with built-in liners. You will not take these things off. I promise. I also need to tell you guys about something that's great and I think something a lot of businesses could be using right now, and that is LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business and you want to be 100% certain that you have the access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. I think everyone has a good experience with LinkedIn 
My wife, of course, got me on it. It seems like there's kind of a trend here building, but I love LinkedIn. I mean, it's helped me definitely check out a bunch of different jobs and helped companies reach out to me. All you have to do is add your job in the purple hashtag hiring frame to your LinkedIn profile, and you can spread the word that your company is hiring. And the simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on the candidates that you want with just the right skills and just the right experience to make sure that you're making the right hire. That's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs the number one app in hiring versus their leading competitors. And LinkedIn jobs helps you find the quality candidates that you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash NFL. That's linkedin.com slash NFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. All right, well, we talked a little bit about the defense, but I think it was just kind of the tip of the iceberg of how good this Chargers defense was, David, because the Chargers defense absolutely won them this game. And let's talk about the second half in overtime. I gave the little nugget out that the Chargers allowed negative nine net passing yards in the second half in overtime on seven drives by the Broncos offense. Seven drives. Seven drives got a grand total of negative nine passing yards when you factor in all of the sacks. But David, there were some bad plays in the first half, and we'll talk about it because it seemed like it was kind of mostly centered around one player that ended up getting benched. But this second half, things changed. I mean, the Chargers defense came out and were suffocating in the second half. It was one of the best defensive performances that I've ever seen. Admittedly, going up against a terrible offense. We all know that, right? But the Broncos had 12 total yards in overtime on two drives. They had the negative nine passing yards. They also were held to two of nine on third down in the second half in overtime. David, that was one of the best second half performances I've ever seen by a Chargers defense. Yeah, it just seemed like after that first quarter, I mean, you you heard the commentators talking about, well, hey, this is looking a little bit more like the Russell Wilson that we're used to seeing, a guy that was moving around in the pocket, that was making some good throws that was moving the ball down the field for the Broncos yeah, offense. Of and then after the first quarter, <laughs> that Broncos offense disappeared and they didn't just disappear. They, they were taking, they were taken out of the football game by the dominance of the chargers defense. Yeah. The chargers defense was everywhere. They were, like I said before, they were tackling great. They didn't allow any yards after catch. They didn't allow any kind of broken tackles. They, no got pressure on the quarterback from the linebacker position. Drew Tranquil gets two sacks in this game, but you, you you have to talk about when you're talking about this defense, you have to talk about the JC Jackson of it all. JC Jackson getting benched in, in this football game. And it was because the, the Broncos were targeting him. I mean, they yeah. targeted him a couple of different times and we've seen that unfortunately as a theme for JC Jackson, the first couple of games of his season, it was no different in this game. Once the the Chargers benched J.C. Jackson and brought in Michael Davis, the dominance of the Chargers defense really won out. Yeah, and I mean, maybe the the timing's a little coincidental there, right? And it's not all just J.C. Jackson leaving, but that is true because it did seem like on big plays, they knew who they were going after. Once J.C. Jackson left, it seemed like it became much less clear by the Broncos offense where they wanted to go, especially on third down, which leads to two of nine on third downs. Yeah. And credit to Brandon Staley. Somebody's yes. got to say it. It is not easy to bench your $16.5 million corner that you wanted the team to go get yeah. and bench him for Michael Davis, a guy who, you know, Brandon Staley has probably had the most outwardly negative things to say yeah. about any Chargers player probably, right? So, like, oh yeah, for Michael Davis to come in, and one of my favorite plays of the entire game was a first and 10 where Michael Davis was like, you're not getting this quick, easy pass for five yards. He breaks up the pass. The Broncos end up having to that run after that because it just totally derailed them. They're not a team that can live in those third and long situations. 
That was Michael Davis plastering dudes in yeah. this game. Michael Davis, I mean, we'll find out the final numbers. We'll probably get more into it on buy and sell tomorrow when we talk about J.C. Jackson. But I do think that, you know, hey, Brandon Steely deserves a lot of heat, and we've given it to him for a lot of these defensive performances as the defensive genius, right? We yeah. all know that. He yeah. gets – you know, rip for that, you know, and probably a lot of that is valid because the Chargers defense has been so bad this year. He deserves a lot of credit, too, because he took J.C. Jackson out of this game. And I think now you shut him down till after the bye week. I mean, yeah. it just, if, if it's not health, it's hard to imagine what it is at this point with him. For sure. But let's look at what happened, David, with J.C. Jackson this game. The first drive of the game for the Broncos, they have a third and 13. He gets a pass interference called against him when trying to cover Cortland Sutton. Extends yeah. the drive. Broncos get three points right before halftime. The big giant gain that you saw that you never give up right before halftime. That's one of the cardinal sins to give up that much before halftime. He gave it up the 47 yards before halftime to KJ Hamler. That was him and Derwin. Both of them just let him go. It made no sense. Yeah. And he was the closest defender. You don't know what the call was on that wide open Greg Dulcich 39 yard touchdown, the most open touchdown of the season that the Chargers have allowed. JC Jackson was somewhat involved in all of those plays. And then Mike Davis comes in. And he looks just, I mean, the defense just as a whole looks totally different. But we do have to shout out those individual performances, not just by Michael Davis, but Drew Tranquil. That sack in overtime, a thing of beauty. He got in there so quick. I didn't think there was anyone who could get in quicker than Derwin James had already got in for a Seriously. sack earlier in the second half. Yeah. Both of those dudes deserve a, a shout out. Drew Tranquil gets two sacks in the second half where one of them, he's like a QB spy and just totally like a heat-seeking missile just tracked uh, Russell Wilson down outside of the pocket where he was doing all of his damage. And Khalil Mack, because in the first half, Khalil Mack put this defense on his back. The only two third-down stops that were notable were him getting a sack and him breaking up a screen pass that would have went for a first down. So I think those four guys definitely all deserve a shout-out for their individual performances in this one. There's no question. I mean, Drew Tranquil, man, it just seems like every single time he gets an opportunity to rush the quarterback. Love it. He had shot out of a cannon, out, out of a just ballistic missile, and he goes through the quarterback. It just seems like it works every single time. Why aren't we seeing more of that? And oh, by the way, I was one interception away from calling my bold prediction for Derwin James. He had 10 tackles and a sack in this football game. So when you need your big-time stars to show up on Monday Night Football, Derwin James showed up. Drew Tranquil definitely showed up. And when you needed someone to step up, Michael Davis showed up and played great football. And for him to have to take a backseat after getting that contract extension and not really getting into the defense, not getting comfortable, to come out here tonight and play good football and help his team get a victory it's got to feel really good for Mike Davis yeah and I think it just bodes super well for the rest of the Chargers season right if Michael Davis can come out and look like that and you don't have to rely on JC Jackson that totally changes the complexion of this Chargers defense because he just got beaten way too many times on big money downs every yeah. game it seems like that he's played and given up a touchdown and it seemed like at first okay whose fault was it now it just it, it's pretty black and white that it's hard to find any way to kind of justify having JC Jackson with that contract or not, on the field right now, the Chargers took him out in the Chargers defense in the second half. Five first downs allowed in overtime and in the second half. I mean, the only word I could think of to describe it was suffocating because that's just what it seemed like it was in this one because they were just all over the place. It's what you expected it. You saw good designed rushes, good designed blitzes to generate a pass rush, which is something that they've been sorely lacking in finding something outside of Cleo Mack. 
hats off to this Chargers defense for their performance. The offense on the other side was a complete 180 from what the defense was able to do. They were totally shut down in the second half and overtime. They only got three or six points in the second half. Half of those are set up by a muff punt by the Broncos punt return man. So we're going to talk about the offensive line and how bad they were after having some injuries and trying to work through an offense going up against a dominant defense, right? Without, you know, three of your best players in Keenan Allen or Sean Slater. And obviously, you know, in this game, Corey Lindsley goes out, can't play before because of food poisoning of all things. That's when I thought the Chargers might lose is when I found out Corey Lindsley wasn't yeah. playing this game. But we'll get a little deeper into that and kind of who shares the most blame in this one as a first initial reaction to this game coming up right after this. But I do hope that you guys were able to do all of the unders or the less thans on the uh, prize picks. My favorite daily fantasy app. I were talking last week about the prize picks projections because that's one of the things about prize picks. And one of the things that sets them apart from different uh, daily fantasy sites is with prize picks, it's just you versus their projections. And we had gone over a couple of the projections before the game, you know, and we were talking, hey, well, Justin Herbert have more or less than 268 yards. And we thought Joshua Kelly, who ended up getting hurt, would have more than his 18 and a half projection. But with prize picks, basically what you do is you pick two to five players that they go score more or less than their prize picks projections. You cash in and you can win up to 10 times your money on any entry. So hopefully you guys did the less than on the Chargers offense and more than on all of the Chargers defense, because if that was the case, you definitely won with prize picks. But prize picks offers projections, not just for football, but pretty much any sport that you're looking for, MLB, NBA, NHL, golf, MMA, and even college football. And you always get safe and fast withdrawals. Right now, guys, download the prize picks app or go to prizepicks.com to sign up and get the best daily fantasy sports that you're going to find out there. First time users, can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 when you use the promo code locked on. That means you give $100 in prize picks, they will give you $100 to play with. If you give 50, you'll get 50 back with that promo code locked on. Don't forget to enter that promo code locked on, guys, to make sure you guys are cashing in on the best of prize picks has to offer and make sure to sign up to get that instant deposit match up to $100. Well, David, I guess, unfortunately, we have to talk about the Chargers offense. And we knew it was going to be a slog, right? I mean, yeah. we weren't expecting the Chargers to have their third consecutive game putting up 30 points in this one. But it was miserable to watch in the second half. And I, and I think it's kind of a game of pointing fingers. I, I think really, in reality, it's a, a mixture of all of these things. But the offensive line was bad. Justin Herbert was running around. Justin Herbert, even when he wasn't running around, was not his best in this game, obviously. Is that the rib injury? Is it something else? And... You know, the offensive play calling, I think, probably left some to be desired as well, especially, you know, on the interception, just running that same stick route. Uh, that It's like, okay, I wonder why everyone's jumping on that. Well, it's because you run it 15 times a game. So, yeah. not a lot, you know. And I think the Gerald Everett one was on that same play as well. Mm -hmm. The Sony Michelle interception that bounced off his hands was something close to that. But, David, I think when you look at the charge offense, it just wasn't good enough in the second half. The defense kept setting themselves setting an offense up to go win this game. The Chargers offense had so many chances to go win this game and just couldn't. Their front was overwhelmed by the defensive front by the Broncos. And it just, even though they were dealing with a lot, uh, it, it should have been too much to overcome. They they won this game in spite of their offense. Yeah, they definitely did. And, and you, had, you have to give credit to, to the Broncos defense. It's unfortunate that yeah, the Broncos... Good. The Broncos defense does this to every single team. They 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 make these games ugly. They make them very hard to watch and not very exciting because of how good they are. They get yeah. pressure, they stop the run, they blanket the coverage, they don't let you, you know, go deep. That's what they did to Justin Herbert tonight. 
You know, that that's what they did. They took away those deep shots and they made the Chargers dink and dunk all the way down the field. And, you know, it's kind of what the Chargers defense tries to do to their opponents. Yeah. And if it weren't for two 14 and 15 play drives in the beginning of the game, this Chargers team could have lost this game. So yeah. they had two good drives in the beginning. After that, it was up to Dustin Hopkins to help them win the game. It was not a good performance by any means. And the Chargers are going to have to get better. But hopefully they will get better with the return of Keenan Allen, hopefully next week, and their center, Corey Lindsley. Corey Lindsley's huge, man. I mean, going yeah. into this game, the Chargers had missed Corey Lindsley for six quarters. It was the second half of the Kansas City Chiefs game where they got blown out basically, right, and got a garbage time touchdown there. Yeah. And then it was the Jaguars game, which is, you know, the only game the Chargers have been blown out in a game this season. Both of the, all those six quarters, they were missing Corey Lindsley. That's why I was in panic mode when Corey Lindsley wasn't going to play. And the Chargers offensive line left a lot to be desired, right? I mean, Jamari Sawyer had some rough moments. I thought Trey Pipkins had some really, really rough moments early yeah. in the game. I thought he actually settled in and, and thankfully wasn't that bad the entire game. And Baron Browning and Bradley Chubb are two really ferocious pass rushers. Draymond Jones and DJ Jones. That's a, a very a formidable. really, really good front. It's a really totally. Good front. I mean, DJ Jones was eating Zion Johnson's lunch. Three holding calls from Zion Johnson. And yeah. I guess the, the question is, though, David, like, are, are you worried about the Chargers offensive line? Is this something that kind of woke you up to? OK, hey, maybe this is more of a problem. Maybe Jamari Sawyer hasn't kind of solved everything that they needed to by replacing Rashawn Slater on that left side. How are you feeling about it? Because obviously they're missing Corey Lindsay. So when he comes back, do you think that fixes most of it? I mean, it, it fixes a lot of it. I mean, Corey Lindsley is so, so important. It's not just what he does. It's not about just setting the protections. It's what he does to make the guys around him better. He <laughs> Hold makes on, real fired. quick. Yeah, I was going to say, like, if we're talking about pointing out protections, I mean, there was one play where Matt Filer has a blitzer walking up into the gap in front of him, and then yeah. the play is snapped. The blitzer comes in, and three guys end up taking the nose tackle. Zion Johnson... Will clap at this point in Matt Filer. Matt Filer just lets the dude run. It's like, I get it. Corey Lindsley's pointing everything out and he needs to tell you. But my God, pal, that, that one was really hard to watch. That was gross. It definitely is hard to watch. But hey, c considering that, considering that Corey Lindsley missed this football game and you had Trey Pipkins that was dealing with an injury, there's a lot to overcome there. There's a lot to overcome. And yeah. like I said, the Broncos defense is fantastic. They're one of the best units in the league and their front seven they are nasty. They do that yeah. to teams. So I'm not exactly super concerned with the, the Chargers offensive line because that Broncos defense does that to everybody. So yeah. if, the, if they do that next week, then, yeah, I'm definitely going to be concerned. But there's a lot to overcome. The Chargers are lucky to be leaving Monday Night Football with a win. 100%. Like we said, they did it in spite of their offense. The play calling left some to be desired, but they're obviously having to deal with the same thing with, hey, Justin Herbert's a little off. The offensive mm -hmm. line is allowing everyone in like a broken dam. Like, that's a hard game to call, right? But at the yeah. same time, these times we've missed Corey Lindsley have made you appreciate just how good that dude is. He makes Zion Johnson better, who had those three yes. holding penalties today. He makes Matt Filer much better, as we've seen in all the games that Corey Lindsley has not been able to play in. Matt Filer has been demonstrably worse than he has been in pretty much any other time and any time we've seen him in a Chargers uniform. The other person he makes a lot better, David, is Justin Herbert, oh, who yeah. had you know a really poor game by his incredible standards only in year mm -hmm. three. We're holding a bump on a pedestal. It's probably not fair to him, 
especially for a guy who's dealing with, you know, fractured rib cartilage, right? And is, yeah. is playing through that on a game to game basis. We don't even know if he's getting the pain blocking injection when he does it because he won't tell us. But <laughs> it was tough to watch. Uncharacteristic misses by him. I mean, a couple of plays, I mean, were should have either been called defensive pass interference, even mm-hmm. though we saw a lot of those. I mean, <laughs> yeah. those plays look different, right? If those go down as completions instead of pass interference calls, they gained over 100 yards just on pass interference calls themselves. Yeah, that would look nice tacked on to his, you know, passing yard total. But overall, he averages 4.2 yards per attempt, which is uh, has to be the, probably the lowest of any game in his career. I didn't have the time to check yeah. that, but it was really, really bad. So do you think, is it just a combination of all of those things? Is it like He could just be off, too. That's the other thing. Yeah. He could just be off. The play calling wasn't great. The yeah. offensive line was straight up bad for a lot of this game right when you're down to brendan hymas getting snaps in there at center which is absolutely code red panic mode right there yeah play calling just being a little off and the offensive line and just not trusting it right he had some pockets he could have stepped up into he just did not have any trust in the offensive line at all how worried does that make you about justin herbert going forward obviously knowing that this is a great broncos defense yeah, I mean, it, it's a little worrisome. I mean, but what's worrisome for me is the the fact that Justin Herbert got hit early on in this football game. And I, I think that definitely played a factor in how he played and the the shots or lack thereof that yeah. he took in this game. There was a, a lot of those in underneath throws, a lot of targets to Josh Palmer, a lot of Austin Eckler out in the front. Uh, out in the flats. I mean, that's just what this that's what this particular game called for with the way that the Broncos were playing defense against them. It was yeah. ugly. It did not. It, it was not very fun to watch. But at the end of the day, the Chargers get a big victory to position themselves to be up there with the Chiefs and the AFC West. They're four and two. The Chiefs are four and two. So after six games, uh, I think considering the seriousness of of the injuries that are, and not just any injuries injuries to major key contributors to this organization, to this team. I think you have to be very happy with where the chargers are at, at four and two. The chargers are missing four of their eight best players, right? Four players that made the NFL's top 100 list. I saw Dan Bokenstein posted that just like, Hey, they're missing four of these dudes. That's important in this game. And I think Keenan Allen, obviously, and Corey Lindsley are a huge cure-all, right? And, I mean, oh, I'm yeah. willing to give Corey Lindsley another five-year contract right now if he wants to be made the highest-paid <laughs> center again, even with his knee tendonitis. And I'll extend Keenan Allen again, too, because you've obviously seen how important this dude is to this offense, right? Even getting older for both of these guys, it's still – they're just so important to this Chargers offense. They're the glue that kind of holds things together. And I think one thing that we've seen from this is kind of a spotlight shown on the other auxiliary pieces by the Chargers outside of Mike Williams not being able to step up. I do think Mike Williams was robbed of, first of all, one pass interference on Patrick Sertan for sure down the sideline. Oh, yeah. And maybe another one of the most incredible catches that we've ever seen called away because they didn't even review it in Darn overtime. Darn sure looked like he caught that ball. It's it looked overtime. like he caught review it. And it, looked, it at the very oh, yeah. Least. Why not? Why what not? Doing? What do you have to lose? Just it throw no the red flag and then let them figure it out. Don't even get me started on the the passer or the roughing the passer on Morgan Fox. Uh, second time in two weeks, the Chargers have gotten absolutely jobbed. As Morgan Fox, basically when Russell Wilson has the ball in his hand, is hitting him on his waist, not even hitting him on his legs, and gets another call like that. Uh, it, it was brutal. But I do think, though, David, I mean, Josh Palmer hasn't been able to step up like we thought he would, right? This was a huge opportunity for him to come out there and do that. Got some screen passes, didn't really do much with it. Gerald Everett had another tough game, you know, has a ball that, you know, 
a defender does get their hand on and deflects it up in the air for an interception, but seems had like another that one that he dropped Justin, man, had another like one in happens. Gerald Everett in, you know, where he gets the ball knocked out where it would have been a first down that keeps the change moving and, and maybe makes the second half look a little bit, you know, better offensively. Those other guys just have to step up. I think Donald Parham ended up leaving this game after he made a big play. I mean, yeah, he three catches like, for 53 yards. I mean, he yeah. had a, a pretty good impact in this one. Seemed like he got banged up, though, because he was uh, a non-factor towards the end of the game. We didn't really see him after we saw him early on. But this team needs Keenan Allen back. This team still has a need at wide receiver. It still seems like they need to to add more wide receiver talent after this season. It seems like it's going to be one of the top things on their list. Chargers offense will be better. (laughs) Thank God they only have the Broncos one more time, and I don't know if they're going to face another defense that's as good as the Denver Broncos defense. They're definitely not going to against a Seattle defense next week which is not not very good, but it's also a much better team than we thought it would be. But there's a ton from this game, and we'll continue to unpack it tomorrow on Buy or Sell where we get into the biggest overreactions and storylines to the Chargers so far this season. But that's going to do it for us today. To make sure you guys never miss the shows, especially live shows like this post-game, make sure to subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms wherever you get your podcasts from, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you can make sure that you're getting every episode and you're not missing out on anything. You can also find the show on all of our social media. You can find us on Twitter at LockdownLAC. You can find us on our Locked On Chargers Facebook page. You can also find us at Locked On Chargers on Instagram. If you want to follow me and David, you can follow me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports. And David Drogmeyer's DMs are always open at Drotalk SD. If you have any big questions after this game, you can call into the Locked On Chargers voicemail line at 323-524-7924 and try to get your Chargers voicemail when we get into one of these fan Chargers mailbags one of these days, but we will back you on a short week, guys. It's going to keep going this week. We have buy or sell. We have crossover. We have keys and predictions for the Seahawks coming up this week, so make sure you guys are back here tomorrow with buy or sell, getting more into J.C. Jackson, getting benched, Justin Herbert struggles, and much more, but until then, take it easy and go Bolts.